0: somewhere under Seattle, Washington. It's the show you've been waiting for. Get ready to join your hosts, John and Kendrick, as they talk comics, movies, and more. Now here's... Spoiler Country! Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on sepod.net. But... If you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country,
1: and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at SpoilerCountry at gmail.com.
0: All right. Welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenner That is Mr. Horsley. And that is Mr. Allen. Howdy. How you guys doing? Welcome back, sir. And today on the show, it's all about Frank Gogol. And I think this must be his third or fourth time. But Casey, why don't you uh, give us a rundown of what we're going to hear? All right. So Frank Gogol has a new book out called No Heroin. And
2: um, it is a vampire story, and the main protagonist in the book is a uh, recovering heroin addict. And cool. it is really, really well done. It's a different art team than... Dead End Kids? Yeah, from Dead End Kids. It's actually the cover artist from Dead End Kids. Oh, nice, nice. He and his daughter are the uh, the colorist and, and the inker, uh, penciler. But, nice. Uh, Really, really well done. Uh, the story is great. I can't wait to see uh, how all this goes. I, I've already read the uh, the first issue, so I'm, I'm just waiting for uh, issues two and three to come out. I think it, it's another three three piece uh, series. So uh,
1: nice. Yeah. So when does when does this book come out? I think he said April. No, it actually, comes out in June. It's funny you said April because in the uh, original entry you did with with Frank, you said april and he stopped you and said nope it's june but it's coming out in june this episode will serve as all tease for your folk book that comes out in june it'll be in april's preview so if you do like what this sounds like go ahead and go to your lcs and tell them to order it for you in april so i had a chance to listen to the interview it sounds fantastic you can't wait to, to pick it up and take a read yeah and google is a great writer oh yeah oh yeah he's fantastic i'm excited
0: all right well should we just sit back and listen
1: to frank in his own words uh, sounds
0: like let's do it let rock and roll guys
2: All right, everybody. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today we are talking to the author of Dead End Kids, Ringo Award-nominated Grief, and coming up in June, the new book by Frank Gogol, No Heroin. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Hey, Case. How's it going, man? I'm well. I'm well. Uh, just uh, living my best life, looking at comics, people, and uh, having a nice late-night brew.
3: Wow, you've had some pretty good guests recently. Was it C. Spearier was on? Or, uh, and C. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. C. Sci- 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 Spearier. Sci- yeah, yeah. Sci- I remember. So
2: well, what's there. fun? Oh, dude, I, I wouldn't know it if, if I didn't hear somebody say it once. But no, man, funny thing about him. He's a fan, of I, I accidentally uh called him for like two seconds before I called you because, oh. yeah, because uh, you're, you're very close on the um on the Skype list of calls, okay. And so, uh, I was about to ask Cy Spurrier about no heroin, he had no fucking idea what was going on. So well, now I've got my he, I've got yeah, my it's
3: like, you <laughs> know, I was talking to that Casey guy and he called you instead of me. <laughs>
2: He he would have been very irate because I'd probably woken him up because he lives in London and then oh, yeah. he'd be like gotta, I have no idea about this book you should probably ask Frank.
3: So it, yeah, it's got to be uh, oof.
2: I I mean six, six hours ahead, yeah, it's four o'clock, yeah, just yeah. when I wake up in the morning. So oh, I get a little more sleep than that, but uh, not much. I gotta. We've talked s- about that. Start frying that bacon, man. Four o'clock. Exactly, man. Hit the road by five. If, Teen? Yeah.
3: Honestly. The truth is we got a kitten recently and that thing just keeps me up all night. And by the time like I see the sun come up, I'm just so tired of trying to go to sleep. I just, I just <laughs> get out of bed. I was uh
2: I was thinking the other day about uh being younger and you know that, that feeling of it's a mix between accomplishment and dread when you're you've been out all night and you drive home and Uh, the first rays of sunshine are are hitting you in the eyes after you've been in the club dancing your ass off all night or most drinking your ass off all night uh yeah i don't miss that feeling
3: (laughs) i i know i can't do it i went out for uh near's dinner uh i guess it's two weeks ago with my wife and uh, I'm originally from the East Coast, and now I'm in California. And we we celebrate New Year's at nine o'clock, like you know, to eat twelve Eastern, but like nine local. Um, and we're in bed by maybe ten thirty on New Year's. I just I can't do it anymore. Like <laughs> I don't know. You got when you get older, you got to start prioritizing. I like sleep, but I also like making comics, and you can't have both if you want to stay up all night.
2: Oh no, not at all. So uh, man, tell me tell me about this book that's coming out. Yeah. yeah, all right. So,
3: um so real quick recap of where we're at. Uh Grief came out two years ago, uh this this coming April. Um went on to get a Ringo Award nom last year, lost to uh to to I wouldn't say a better book, but a deserving book, so I, I can let it go. Um in Kids came out last year. Uh was sort of a i I don't i don't want to sound like i'm tooting my own horn so i'm just gonna say it uh you know breakout indie hit like i mean we sold like seven thousand copies of the first issue alone i mean i got my royalties checked today actually from third quarter oh that's awesome and it was it was bigger than i thought it was going to be honestly um but i
2: enjoyed the uh, hell out of that book
3: thank you yeah it's uh it's it's weird i still I, i have this experience with grief every once in a while still but um like, once, twice a week, I'll get, like, a an Instagram message or a Twitter DM or something like that from somebody I don't know reaching out to say they you know, they, they got their hands on the book, that they read it, and that they they really enjoyed it and they're looking forward to the next one. I'm like, that's, like, that's pretty surreal to me. Like, I I don't know. I've, I have a, a creator's eye for this stuff. So, like, the further away I get from something, like, the less I like it because I'm getting <laughs> hopefully better at what I'm doing and I'm more focused on other things. And, like, you know, Dead End Kids is about – I wrote – the i wrote the issue last the first issue last may so i mean we're we're not even no i'm sorry i wrote it two years ago and <laughs> god that, that was holy shit yeah um and then it started coming out um last july um and like it's it's pretty far my review i've been working on no Heroin since about the same time um so it's it's weird that like i'm in this the space in between now i have a book that i made after it that's been out already and then this book is is in the process of finishing up now and is coming out soon so it weird grant and morrisony space time stuff going on in my head um but uh so the book is uh I mean, the way I haven't gotten the pitch down quite yet. I haven't talked about it enough. You're, I think, in my third podcast I'm talking about it on since we announced it uh, softly last month. Um, But essentially, it's like my love letter to Buffy. I think I talked about last time we talked uh, that Joss Whedon's a big um, storytelling influence of mine, and I grew up sort of inhaling and and re-inhaling Buffy over and over again. I, I probably watched it once a year for like 10 years straight, and then, you know, Intermittently since, um, so it's like it's really in my my storytelling DNA, and I, I wanted to write uh, some 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 kind of Buffy esque, you know, female destiny hero um, vampire slayer type book at some point in my career. Um, whether it was sooner rather than later, I, I didn't know. And then I I was talking to uh, Chris Mad, who did the covers for Dead End Kids, and this was before Dead End Kids was a thing. Um, and he was like, uh, we, we used to share a comic shop when I lived in New Jersey, and I didn't even realize at the time, like, that he was like, a, like a comic artist. I knew he was like, he did graphic design and art, but we, we joked, you know, about doing something together. And this was before I had published anything, and it was really just talk. Um, and then Grief came out, uh, and he and I uh, tabled at Great Philadelphia Comic Con two years ago, and we got to talk, and, and you know, the, the conversation basically ended with me him telling me, um, you know, I'd love to work with you. You know, we, we, we have a lot of shared history where we grew up and yeah, I think it'd be cool to do a project sometime. And I think like, honestly, I, Chris was kind of being nice, maybe, you know, putting some feelers out there. Um, and then I got on the plane that day to fly back to California and I had a, uh, like a rough idea for like what this book would be by the time I got off the plane six hours later. And you know I got him on the phone and I was like, Hey, I got the book if you want to do it. Um, So it's, like I said, it's it's my love letter to Buffy. Um, It's a sort of chosen one kind of uh, supernatural horror uh, coming of age kind of mix. Um, But what I did uh, sort of was infuse it with the kind of storytelling that I'm interested in. Um, I mean, anyone who's read Grief and Dead End Kids um, probably has the sense that I've got a pretty hard line anti-drug uh not vendetta but like you know I'm, I'm not super into the the whole hardcore drugs and you know stuff like that um and uh, that's, i would hope not yeah well i mean like I, you know, some people are, are pro it and i'm not like against it but like it's in my own life it's never been something like that i was very interested in and, and that has to do with growing up with two parents who were, who were both drug addicts i had my dad overdose and die when i was a year and a half old and watching a lot of the people i grew up with like really succumb to addiction and 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 it not really work out well for them and the ones who are still around aren't doing well um so it's like it's in my personal dna and philosophy to really like you know be be a little particular about like the representation of it and and, and stuff like that in media like we well i'll, I'll get to, to more of that stuff as we go but essentially what i wanted to do was invert the story and, and like move away from the idea of like this chosen one narrative that Buffy has, which I love. Um, but I wanted to do my own spin on it. So, um, no heroin is essentially Buffy the vampire slayer. But if Buffy was like a real piece of shit, recovering drug addict, um, and being like a monster hunter vampire slayer, isn't like a destiny of hers. It's something she falls into, um, while she's in the early stages of recovery. um, Yeah, there's a little bit more to that, but it's it's essentially um, a sort of fair and honest look at um, what drug addicts go through uh, after rehab and after you know getting clean and and like the struggles that they deal with there Um, a lot of it has to do with self-realization seeing themselves for the people who they were and what they've done um, and and the road to sort of self-care and and making amends and stuff like that and I'm sort of rambling at this point and maybe you should ask me another
2: question (laughs) (laughs) no no I, I, I read the the first issue and you you don't pull any punches at all and one thing that that really hit me hard was how the uh, protagonist uh she you could tell she was really struggling with who she is and um you know when somebody has an addiction that becomes their personality that becomes their reason for being is feeding that addiction and when you take that addiction away uh, when, when you when sp- you that you don't take the addiction away. When you take yourself away from the addiction, um, there is a void there that still needs to be filled. And uh, I can see it working in in that character. Um, she's she's struggling. She, she's hurting really bad. So uh, the humanity that you put into that character really, really, Took me. Kayla seems like a a really uh, well realized character just from the first issue. Ah, thanks. Yeah, I, I I mean
3: yeah, I think again we've talked about this a couple times now. I always try to start my story with like the human character element of it and then wrap that up in the genre. Um, so I, I knew because of like the type of story it was going to be that there would be vampires and monsters involved and stuff like that. But I tried to really ignore that upfront and just focus on sort of the experience that, that Kayla is having the struggle she's having. Um, and, and um, each issue um, is designed to not quite standalone, but more or less standalone. So like the cliffhangers resolve, sort of long form rather than like at the end of the first issue of dead end kids, the second issue picks up right there. Um, And we sort of follow her through these different stages of self-realization. And this, this first issue is very much about realizing that being, off drugs and being clean is is only the first step on the journey. There's 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 more to it. There's there's people she's hurt along the way. There's there's people she's still hurting in different ways, and and she has to realize that you know she's she's not the good guy just because she 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 did it. But also you know us as viewers, we see that she's trying and she's learning the lessons. Like, like I said, it's it's an honest look at this. Um, I don't know if I mentioned this last time we talked, but one of the biggest storytelling influences on my style of storytelling was a book called speaker for the dead it's the sequel to ender's game um and i don't want to spoil ender's game for anyone but it picks up uh some some decades after the end of ender's game and and the the main character ender uh is dealing with a tremendous amount of guilt and the way he Um, sort of makes amends for the sins that he's committed uh, is by becoming essentially a eulogist he goes around the galaxy when people call for him and he comes to a village or a city and when somebody's died um, he gives basically what's a eulogy for them but he takes sort of like a a private investigator approach to it He'll, he'll come to town and he'll investigate the person top to bottom you know figure out their good deeds, they find find all their warts, and then when he delivers the eulogy, it is a fair, honest, clear assessment of who the person is. There's no flowery language. There's no, you know. There's it, it's 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 almost like an old school newspaper article, like just the facts, and like you take and leave what you want um, when you hear it. But uh, like I always thought that that was really compelling and powerful. Like, because who who among us is like perfect you know who's 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 a good person when when we go to funerals we hear eulogies like it's usually mostly the good stuff like there are people out there who are we know are truly awful but when they die they're going to start to get romanticized and i've never really liked that and honestly it makes for pretty boring storytelling so i've sort of took that approach uh with murphy and dead end kids you know he's a troubled kid but he's a good kid and he wants to do well but he doesn't necessarily know how to and he starts to spiral and that's where we get that story from and with kayla she's she's trying her damnedest but she's really bad at it. i mean that's where the title of the book comes from she's like you know it's obviously a play on word she's a recovering heroin addict so no heroin but she's also really
2: bad at being a hero but she's trying and it seems like a really hard line to toe as a as a writer to To fully display a character's faults and yet make them compelling enough that you want to root for them, was that a challenge to to maintain that? No, it, it was, but not in the way
3: you're thinking. Uh, when when I was writing it and and plotting it and putting it all together, it actually came really naturally to me. Um, but that's because I've had to do those things in my own life. Um, I mentioned that my my parents had had drug problems, um, but uh, even honestly, a little more close to me, my two best friends growing up have been in and out of rehab, um, have been in and out of jail, have really struggled with with various drugs over most of our lives I'm 32 so call it the last 17 18 years um and and specifically with heroin and like you know you want to be there for your friends and family when they struggle and and yeah I really uh my, my one is my cousin Tom and one is my brother Joey um so like it's it's a little even more personal than friend um but like, when they get out of rehab or jail, you wanna you wanna try and take care of them, make sure they're okay. But like you can only watch a person fuck up so many times before you start asking yourself questions like, why bother, or is it worth it? You know, why waste your time if it's just gonna end up with them relapsing or getting arrested again? Um, and it's so like over the years, I've sort of. For lack of a better word, meditated on it and, and, and put a lot of th- thought towards it and a lot of energy towards these things. And and where I'm at, the kind of person I am, I'm always hopeful, or I want to be, that, that things are going to get better. And I've seen specifically in my cousin Tom, uh, each time he he gets out or each time he gets clean, like it's a little longer, he's a little more successful. Like I mean, there's a real drive there. Um, and it's sort of like peaks and valleys. Like he was manager at the restaurant he was working on at for, for a while. And then he had one bad night and spiraled down and was back in rehab and had to sort of start from scratch again, but he worked his way back up. I mean, like there's, there's a real drive and determination to, to be better there, but it's also punctuated by these, these periods of, you know, not giving a fuck and, and, and doing all the things he shouldn't. Um, and then sort of in those, those better moments, the months where he's doing the right thing. Like there's a genuine want to do better, but also a genuine sort of not knowing how to make up for it, especially as like the offenses start to stack up over years. Like you can only say sorry so many times before it sounds like bullshit, even if you are genuinely sorry and don't know what to do about it. Um, So like I have a lot of sympathy for people who have addiction problems and I have a lot of, or for lack of a better word, anger about the situation. So like that for me sort of motivated me to really give a fair portrayal. Like I don't want to demonize addiction because it's, it's a disease. It's not something people have a lot of control over and, and it's not always a choice. Um, But at the same time, like I don't want to excuse people not being the, their best selves over and over and over again, and 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 like you said, it is a little bit of a tough line to toe. Um, but because I've you know dealt with it so much, I felt like it it probably came a little more naturally than if somebody else had been writing this book, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and honestly, I, I think you were able to, you know, use the experience that you have in in your own life and and turn it into something really amazing and um the team that you have with you on this book really uh complements your, your writing style and and chris mad uh he was the cover artist on on dead end kids and i'm really happy to see more of his stuff uh and uh his, shauna mad I'm, I'm assuming that's someone related uh, yeah, that's, to
3: him it's chris's daughter which is a whole interesting thing.
2: She does an amazing job on the colors. And uh, I'm I'm very pleased with, with how those colors turned out. Hell, I'm sure you are too. Uh, oh, so yeah, there's, so there's, how was it working with times. Chris? Um, well, like I said, I, I've known Chris for a
3: long time. Um, and I have been very blessed in that I've worked with pretty much – only great talent who is super reliable and much much better than I deserve at this point in my career um and I like to keep working with people when I enjoy it so um on uh Nanad and on on Dead End Kids he was you know he did half of grief with me he was the first person ever collaborated with and like I, I had a good time collaborating with them, and it was a healthy, you know, mutually beneficial collaboration. So I, I brought him on for Dead End Kids. Um, I'm in the process of writing Dead End Kids too, and I don't want to get in the weeds about that, but I'm gonna ask Ed to come back for that when it's ready, and I think he'll do it because uh, we have a great relationship. Um, and sort of that relationship, and you know, sort of breaking it in and then growing it was sort of the template I adopted for working with others. Um, chris was the cover artist on dead end kids uh because we were working on no Heroin. so like i wanted to keep working with him because i liked the work he was putting out um and now he's sort of backwards and forwards graduated to being the the main artist and now we've got ahmed rafit on covers he did some of the variant covers for dead end kids. i want to
2: see more of this guy
3: oh my god ahmed so, is fucking
2: so fo- following your um your pattern uh when he takes over when he does the art on your next book um, it's already
3: happening he's already
2: oh uh, <laughs> you are shitting me
3: yeah no uh he's drawn a one shot for me right now that doesn't have a, a final title but it's it's uh it's, for now it's called the farm it's a late golden age hollywood slasher so i took the slasher um uh, sort of genre and moved it back about a decade from halloween
2: nice
3: um and it, yeah it's, it's it's a lot of fun it's i mean the some of the pages have so much detail like he is I, i'm glad i'm working with him now because he's gonna get locked down i mean he's got that that david aha sort of uh is it dave mezzichelli um like yes th- simple I, I totally see it de- simple detailed and like super well designed style um a little bit of andrea sorrentino in there but not quite as gritty i mean like i mean it's the kind of art that i really like in a book um, and I'm, I'm super glad I'm getting to work with him. I'm glad he's doing these covers. He he's doing all three of them. I've got the first two done right now. Um, he's taking a little break to work on something else before we tackle the last cover. Um, but he's, he's absolutely knocking it out of the park and like, you know, I thought I liked the covers for dead and kids a lot, but these, these are, these are gold. Um, yeah, you're going to see a whole lot more of me and Rah- Ahmed if, if I can help it.
2: Yeah. You've been batting a thousand with, with finding your artistic talent.
3: I, you know, I, I know what I like, um, and I look for that. Um, and I, I also have a a graphic design background. Um, like I do all the, the, the cover templates for dead end kids. I do all the uh, credits pages for all the books, back covers, uh, if they're designed, I do those. Um, so like, the collaborations are very much collaborations. Like I know a lot of my my writer friends will hire an artist, have an idea, and then the artist will do that, and that will be that. Me and Ahmed, um, and me and Chris, and me and uh, uh, Danny Martin, who did the cover for Reef, we really went back and forth on concept and and execution, and like it's it's a little more involved than I imagine most writers get, but I think that it makes for a, a better end product um, and a better collaboration.
2: That's awesome. Um, so you guys dropped this in June, correct? Yeah, that's the plan. <laughs> God willing. <laughs> you know, you know, this is
3: actually the scariest book I've ever worked on because uh, grief had been done for a very long time before it got pitched to source point press. And I wasn't even the one to pitch it. Uh, Andy Schmidt of comics experience pitched on my behalf because he had accepted it to a different publishing program that he was working on and rolled that into source point press. So, Um, I'm not sure if I ever told you this story, but I found out Grief was getting published uh, at New York Comic-Con in 2017. Uh, I had just introduced myself to the uh, president of SourcePoint Press just doing the networking thing. And about halfway through the conversation, he stops me. Travis McIntyre is a big, gruff guy, kind of looks like Tormund from Game of Thrones. Um, Big, crazy red beard and hair. And halfway through the conversation, he says, what's your name again? I'm like, "Uh, it's uh, Frank Gogol. He's like, oh, yeah, I just read your book. We're going to pick it up. I'm like, oh, you got, you got to be mistaken, man. I I've a, never submitted anything to you and B never submitted anything to you. He's like, he's, he's like it's grief, right? It's like, yeah. So yeah, we're going to pick it up. Um, so uh, I had like a, a minor mental breakdown or at least I thought I did at New York comic-con two years ago. Um, and here I am. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm not, I can't even remember what the hell we were talking about. Uh, the,
2: the, the, <laughs> book drops in June and oh yes
3: yes so this is the first time so yeah grief was done well before it got accepted I pitched dead end kids after I finished it um no heroin was accepted based on a pitch that had no art attached to it basically like just off of my track record with grief and dead end kids and knowing you know that Chris is a capable artist was enough to sort of sell the idea um and and now we're yeah you know, like like most comic creators I'm on a clock for the first time, um, so it, it's interesting. Like I mean I'm not worried about it. We're ahead of schedule and 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 things are things are looking great. But like it's it's a very different experience than rolling up with a finished product and and yeah. But I like to uh, I like to test myself. Uh, you know sort of do pressure tests and 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 uh, stress tests and see like what i can handle and always be trying to sort of level up so i wanted to approach this book that way um so yeah no heroine's coming out in june it'll be in previews in april and may for pre-order and you know god willing we'll finish the book by then <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah just you, when you take over the x-line And uh, you utilize your uh, design background to make a uh, almost an entire, you know, six issues of uh, books that are graphs and backstories for the main title in the X line that you're doing uh, that tells this weird convoluted story and then also have to direct all the other titles around it. You'll look back on this uh, little time crunch and go like, ah. (laughs)
3: you know i think you i think you may be alluding to house of x and powers of X. X (laughs) spun out of it yeah i I might i might be wrong uh but i have to say that book specifically blew my mind in a bunch of different ways and it wasn't necessarily because the story was good i like the story a lot but i i don't i'm not even sure i necessarily understood it but i'll tell you what if jonathan hickman can do one thing it's he can make fucking graphs interesting
2: oh yeah yeah (laughs) like Dude, it's like he is a sturdy math book but it's cool he does some galaxy brain shit yeah no i mean
3: he's he i mean he's a genius like there's 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 like a next level to what he's doing the execution doesn't always land and the, you can make arguments for it but i mean i think his his fantastic four was flawless top to bottom a lot of his avengers was really good this i that was good, good. yeah it, it's definitely worth reading um and, and that you have the benefit now of reading it as a whole, like pretty consistently. I was reading it when it was coming out and like, there were a lot of delays and like, because the way things were released, it didn't always make a lot of sense right away, which is fine. I mean, it made mystery. And I think that's one of the great things that comics does. Um, but yeah, I, and if you haven't read the fantastic four stuff, like, put your microphone down, go do that. And we'll finish the interview later. Um, <laughs> if you haven't read the X-Men stuff, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, I think they're going to release the first like complete collection trade paperback in the next couple of weeks. I think I got that on my list of shit to buy. Um, yeah,
2: I've, I've read a few of the floppies, but yeah, i, I want to get the, uh, I want to get the collection because
3: okay. yeah, do it. It's, it's super good. Um, but yeah, so the book drops in June. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so um book drops in june the next book is going to be uh what is it dead end kids 2 uh that's what i am calling it for development's
3: sake the actual name of the book is dead end kids the suburban job
2: and then so the third I... one will be house of dead end kids powers of dead end kids we
3: said we weren't going to talk about this <laughs> shit i'm There's sorry no spoilers on Hope spoilers. i didn't, yeah no, uh, you know, there is there is a potential idea for a uh, dead end kids three.
2: I mean, uh, if you if you have something that's solid and characters that are solid, I mean, I, why the I, hell not?
3: I don't want to give away too much. So I'm going to I'm trying to, to stop this because I talk really, to
2: really,
3: run. <laughs> really like to talk about this. I will say this. Um, there is a sort of after credits type scene written for the end of number two
2: oh Um, nice
3: depending on how number two sells if it's similar or close or better than how number one did that's going to get tacked on to the the printing of the last issue um if if people aren't as interested or it doesn't do as well for whatever reason we don't have to print it and we can just leave it at that but that that stinger at the end sort of ties a lot together and sets up a third one and i have a insane story that I want to tell for number three, but I got it's it's gotta be earned. Like people gotta want it.
2: Um all right you you heard it here first folks um pick up uh the all the books the second, yeah pick up all the books um it throw throw him money if you see frank gogle walking down the street throw him some money because I carry
3: I carry a basket with me everywhere
2: so just toss he's, he's gonna turn that he's gonna turn that money into comics
3: yeah. Um, and and the are, since, we're, since we're talking about stuff, um Dead and Kids, the collected edition, the trade paperback, is in previews right now. Uh, so anyone who hears oh, this oh nice. Anyone who hears this interview in January 2020 or February 2020, you can go pre-order that by the end of February. Um it's crazy cheap too. It's it's nine ninety-nine, I think. What? Yeah. Like, I mean, we, we, we talked, the publisher and I, about like what a, a good price point would be for it. And I really pushed for a lower price point to make it, you know, so people could read it. Like, that's the, I, I know how hard it was to find the first issue, and a lot of people couldn't read any of it without the first issue. So I wanted to make sure this was super accessible. Um, I think if you order it online, it's like seven bucks. Um, if you do like discount comic book services, I mean, I'm, I'm literally giving away money by saying that, but I don't care. I just, I just want people to check the book out.
2: That's got to be a uh, pretty amazing book feeling to see somebody holding something that you wrote and actively reading it. So um, yeah, pick up that book.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, so just to recap, because there's a lot going on here, Dead and kids trade paper bag is in previews now until the end of February, 2020. So go buy that for 10 bucks. Um, no No heroin. Number one is dropping sometime in June. We don't have an official date yet because that's up to Diamond um, or an order code. But if, if the book sounds interesting, uh, all you have to do is go into your shop starting in April or before the end of May and say, hey, I want to check out this No Heroin book. Uh, it's, it's three issues, just like Dead End Kids. Uh, so like I guess I still want to – like I want to keep things affordable for people. And I think right in four and five and six issue miniseries, like it starts to get really expensive. The weight starts to get really long. Um, and like, I just don't want to do that to people. Like, I don't know. That's just my style. So I made the issues a little longer instead of making. Oh, yeah. I,
2: I noticed, I noticed the page count was uh, quite a few pages longer than it's, it's four uh, pages than, per issue. Yeah.
3: Um, and then the third one, uh, I think is eight issues. Um, I'm not quite done revising that for letters, so we'll see. Um, And the art's not quite done, but uh, I think it might, it's gonna be at least four, maybe eight more pages. So um, I'm just experimenting. Like, you know, if we don't, I don't wanna get too in the weeds about this, but I I see the future of comics as being fewer issues, bigger issues. Um, I, I, I don't have any illusions about people in comics not wanting to pay more for comics, but like, if you look at the sales numbers, People are paying ten bucks for Action Comics 1000 and I think ten bucks for like a Catwoman thing that's getting solicited right now. So like I don't think that there's a problem with paying more for comics if they're good as long as they're they're good and the value is there. You know, there's more pages, better better paper stock. And I'm not at all pitching the idea that I want to make my comics more expensive, but I would like to make them more valuable. I'd like to get them into people's hands quicker. Um, I don't know if you read, uh scott snyder and uh greg capullo's recent batman uh batman last night on earth but it was three oversized uh issues rather than six or nine issues or whatever it would have been and oh, like cool. they were they were a little more expensive I think they're like five or six bucks a piece but they were definitely at least double sized your average comic and they were also sort of like european yeah European. Uh, dimensions so they were bigger books and thicker books and like i had no problem paying more for a book that i felt was better made and had more content and that i got the story faster because i didn't have to wait nine
2: months um so uh. actually so while i was um <laughs> i had to take my uh, oldest kid to dance tonight and i, I reread no heroin uh did a little homework on that and then um I had downloaded Court of Owls on my phone. (laughs) Uh, uh, It's the first time I'd ever read um, a Snyder Capullo Batman. And holy holy cow. Um, It's that, you know, I I don't want to be that guy, but that's, that's one of
3: the high points. Like there's, there's some just okay stuff in between, but there's, there's definitely some, some peaks in that run and, and, and their collaboration. So that, that was a good one to start with.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was totally solid, especially like I had just finished reading um, the Tom King Batman where he there was yeah. like the Gotham super chick and uh, uh, the,
3: the first arc from. Uh, King yeah. Of?
2: Yeah. Which was it was it was OK. But man, that uh, the Capullo art especially was just uh, in, in the Snyder run is uh, phenomenal.
3: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Um, and even like I am a lot more uh, lenient than most fans about the quality. Like there are definitely Court of Owls is great. Last Night at Earth is pretty good. Um, there's there's some Joker arcs in the middle that aren't the best, but I think they're pretty good. And there's Scott Snyder brings like a really weird literariness to his stuff. Like it's it they read more like novels. There's like a circular narrative style to them, um, but it doesn't always land but I think he tries some really interesting things. Like uh, there's, a, there's a Joker story in there. I won't ruin it for you because you haven't read it. But uh, there's, a, there's a little bit at the end where he plays with the visuals, him and Capullo, um, where you're looking at the bat screen and the uh, uh, periodic table element HA is on the screen. Um, but because of the way the panels are stacked and the, the way like, you know, they're 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 framed. Like as you read down the page, it's like the page is laughing at you. Ha 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 ha. And it's it's a joker story. So it's like there's there's some cool stuff in there like that. Um there's an issue. Um, where Superman gets Joker gassed um, and you don't find out till the end of the issue, but like, there's some really cool sort of Gotham history about like the Gotham opera house and, and like this Apollo scarecrow that they have hanging in the rafters, like sort of foreshadowing the sun God. I mean, Scott Snyder did some really great things on that run that I think went unappreciated by, by people who didn't take time to, to ingest them and digest them. Um, but I think also some of the the criticism is pretty valid too. I mean, Scott, Scott was a a pretty new comic writer when he started that run. He had done a very little bit before that he'd done black mirror and the detective uh, book, and then maybe a couple of shorts elsewhere, maybe a mini series. So like, I mean, there were growing pains and and him and Capullo didn't get along all that well right away. um, And then really grew into the friendship over the course of the run. So it's, I'm rambling. I do that. Um, but, no, no.
2: <laughs> but yeah, Batman, yeah, they, it's
3: better than King's if you ask me,
2: I, I, I would, I would tend to agree. I, I don't like talking like, you know, smack about anybody else's stuff, but yeah, I, I and I love the hell out of, uh, other books that, that King has written. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. Apples and oranges, I, I, I think, in, in terms A, ap- of like,
3: apples and airplanes, honestly. Like, yeah, they're not, not even in the same carbon family. <laughs>
2: yeah. So, so, um, I'm excited about this book, man. Um, Thanks. no heroin. Yeah, it's,
3: uh, I'm, I'm pumped for people to read it. Like, I, I really love Dead in Kids. I really love Grief. I'm glad it really resonated with people. Um, but I think that I've got, something that I want to say for a change rather than something I think needs to be said. And I, I think this book will be different for that. Um, and we've also, I think we, we, we got off topic about this a little earlier, but I think we've got like a, a really awesome team. Like I, I'm writing it, of course. Um, and that means people should maybe consider not picking it up because who knows. <laughs> but we have Chris on art and Chris is just, some of his layouts really just blow my mind. Like nanad is a very angular and and straightforward layout style and less like i ask him to do something out, out of the ordinary chris is doing all these really creative um panel sizes and and designs and like you know fight scenes some of the panels are slashes like, i mean there's some really cool stuff and he's got a great eye for framing uh we got shauna on colors and she's just she's just killing it like i mean she's she's pretty young too i mean she's a couple years younger than me and like she's she's doing way better coloring than like people who are a good decade older than me um and her color choices are just so so unique like the book could be very dark and grim and broody, but there's there's a lot of bright colors in there i mean there's there's a two-page sequence that you saw as like one page after the other but when you see it as two pages there's like a lot of orange and like the, the, it almost looks like, I know what you're talking, talking about. Like, yes. It's but like when I got those pages in like, I was a super like surprised. And then there's just like a lot of really good detailed stuff that they both are sort of knocking out together. Like there's a, there's a stained glass image. And in, in I of love those.
2: that. I was about to bring that up.
3: So well, a funny story about that. And this, this is, Oh, I'm still <laughs> kind of mad about this, but Chris is a little bit of a practical joker. Um, he's very, he's very good at details. Um, So if you flip through the book, like there's, there's lots of weird little stuff. Um, Like there's a scene in the beginning where Kayla's kind of like casing the park, looking for clues as to uh, where her buddy's gone to. Um, And, and there's a, just in the background of a shot, there's, there's a lady walking her dog, but the dog is like pulling her violently. And it's like a small detail that I totally missed probably the first 50 times I looked at the page, but then like, you know. There it is. Um, there's another one where she's sort of looking through a dumpster, and there's a guy just hiding behind the dumpster or popping out of it.
2: I noticed like that.
3: The, so there's like these really random bits of comedy popped in there, and it really like I wasn't sure what the make of it at first, but like the further away I get from seeing them the first time, the more I'm like, this this kind of like lightens it and 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 puts a little bit of you know humor in a book that's not. Very funny at all, to be honest. I can't write comedy. The the other thing that I and, and I really don't like this, but he keeps doing it. There are all kinds of references to my other work and source point Press in the book. Like there's a <laughs> the cover of Dead End Kids Two is a poster in the hallway in a house. Like and it's it's not like hidden very well. It's very bright.
2: I noticed that uh,
3: <laughs> there's a there's a scene where Kayla's laying out some weapons on a park bench, um, and carved into the park bench is the the dove from Grief. Uh, uh, the letters S-P-P for SourcePoint Press. Um, some references to to other SourcePoint Press stuff. There's a scene at the end where Kayla's got a backpack. And we ended up not running with this for a, a reason I won't get into. But there, at one point, there was a, a patch for the SourcePoint Press book, Salvagers, on her backpack. Um, it, was, it was a funny strike that just didn't fit tonally. Um, so we opted for some punk rock band patches to, to go more with the theme of the book.
2: But, you know, and there's a the dead in the dead end patch.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the other ones we swapped it out for. Um, So it's just like, there's lots of little stuff. So when I got that, uh, the, the pencils and inks in for the page with the stained glass, the, the scene in the stained glass is, uh, the last temptation of Christ. Uh, so this book is very much about choice and temptation. So it was very thematic and we thought we'd include it. It was Chris's idea. Um, so it's essentially, you know, Jesus being tempted by the devil. Um, but, and I I almost missed this and it almost went to colors. But uh the first time I got the the page in, uh, it wasn't Jesus, it was Buddy Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you look at the page now, it still is Buddy Christ, but with like a very solemn face. The, and the like,
2: hands different and yeah, no smile. The,
3: the, the facial expression was like really like gotcha and and like the <laughs> fingers were doing like finger guns. I mean, it was it took me so long to catch it and like that's just like one of the reasons working with chris is so great is because he is he's just fun and he's he's talented and he's he's a hard worker i mean like this is a guy who really busts his ass on the craft end of things and 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 gets better like he is we mentioned capullo capullo is one of his big big influences and, and somebody he really admires and and like I see, like the same kind of work ethic that Capullo and 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 the other you know mainstream artists have in Chris. And I, it's it's honestly a, a crime that Chris isn't doing more work and and doing like work with not fucking people like me.
2: Well, well, I mean, you are killing it right now, and Chris and his daughter both do horror comics really well. Uh, they're they're holding up the art very well, and I can't wait to see where this comic goes because uh, you you have me hooked with the first issue. Um, it uh, you know occasionally you pick up a book and it's it's the first issue is always kind of squirrely because you know if you don't if you don't hook people right away on the first book then they're not going to get that second book. Yeah, men. Uh, well, this uh, this book has a flow to it and uh, it it moves fast. Yeah, it's it's, yeah, tw- right. it's twenty eight pages. Um, you know that's counting the front and back covers, but yeah. it yeah, do- it's it, it doesn't yeah. slog. I I you know it's
3: so when I was doing the the press rounds for for Dead End Kids, I, I talked a lot about how like one of my goals with Dead End Kids was not to have like your sort of stereotypical first image issue um, image books and i and don't take this as a knock this is really just an observation but a lot of image books i'd say most of them especially ones that go on more than four issues the first issue is usually all set up and then like the last page twist is the inciting incident of the story like what kicks it off so the beginning of issue 2 is really like where the story begins and i talked like such a big game about that being how I approached Dead End Kids, but like now that I've got some some distance from having written it and it settled in my mind, like that's a little bit true, but not as true as I thought it was. Like there there's a lot of setup in, in Dead End Kids number one, and and you know the last maybe five or six pages are really like the story getting to go, but like you know it, it takes off an issue too. Um, with this book, I really really wanted to course correct on 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 that idea and like have. The, the story essentially starts before we meet Kayla and we catch up with her on like a quiet moment, but like then she hops into this sort of mission that she's already on and like is moving forward with it. Um, and from there, I think there's, there's, there's actually a couple quiet scenes in the book. Like, and that's sort of a hallmark of like how I like there. I think that, that the character moments matter at least as much as the action, if not more. So like, we've got a scene where she's sort of contemplating what to do next. We have a scene where she ends up in a church. Um, and that's actually a scene that I'd, I'd, I'd love to talk more about. Um, but people haven't read the book yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that I thought was interesting how you did that and how she utilized uh, various yeah. things. Yeah. Exactly. I well, oh my gosh.
3: So the, the church thing without giving too much weight, like was born of narrative necessity. Like I wanted to get to that moment that you're thinking of, um, where where she utilizes the tools available to her. But it also like as I was writing it, it like I started to remember being a kid and going to Narcotics Anonymous and and AA meetings and NA meetings with my mom. And like they were always in church basements. And and I, I always remembered like I um if you remember in grief there's a story in the middle about a kid who goes to an na meeting with his mom on his birthday around christmas time and like that was that was a lot of like wednesday nights during my childhood and like that's where that story came from and i always remember like they'd start with a prayer and like my mom was never particularly religious like i was baptized and stuff like that but like we didn't go to church when it wasn't easter or anything like that um but it was i always remember my mom like doing the Lord's prayer and, like, asking for, like, serenity to, to get through the day sometimes when I'd piss her off. Um, so, like, when I was writing this church scene for narrative reasons, like, it reminded me that this is, it sort of it came together, like, that she would be going to a church um, and then that she would, you know, do the stuff with the praying. But also, uh, like, one thing that I don't know that a lot of people who don't encounter recovering addicts understand uh is is that like these people they, they often end up relying on other people for stuff that they should be doing for themselves like it, it becomes easy for them to not take care of themselves because other people will do it for them and that's part of why they don't always re- recover fully and relapse um, and i think that on some level, the the going to the church and, and praying and sort of reaching for help wherever she can get it, and and just you know, it it takes the burden of of responsibility off of people, like to to ask and hope for help from somewhere else. And like, not that nobody should help people, but when it becomes habit or second nature, or it becomes taking advantage, which this story is very much about. Um, it, it it's not a positive thing anymore right it's it's a crutch it's it's a weapon honestly it's it's how you hurt other people um so like you know like i said that scene was something that i needed to set up something later but it morphed into probably for me what is the most important scene in the book
2: yeah yeah and i i, I thought it was very creatively done um man I, i'm really excited about this book
3: that's what i want to hear that's what I
2: like. <laughs> so um uh, outside of no heroin um do you have anything else that you want to talk about any upcoming con appearances uh yeah uh
3: i've got six one six shows on the schedule for the for ne- between now and april so far i'm probably going to add another one or two some somewhere in the next couple of weeks but uh i'll be up in portland uh january 24th and 25th or 25th and 26th whatever that weekend is saturday and sunday for wizard world portland i'll be up in vancouver for fan expo vancouver uh, a couple weeks after that i think um these are all going to be out of order so just remember the names um i'll be at c2e2 in chicago i'll be at emerald city in seattle I'll be at Fan Expo in Dallas, and I will be one other place that I can't... Oh, uh, Megacon in Orlando. Um, Those are all definite. I bought the last plane ticket today, so (laughs) I have to go. Uh, (laughs) But uh, something I'm trying... so I, I set goals for myself every year um, and and le- I try to be more specific each year and try to outdo the previous year. My goals are always the same. They're just always a little bit bigger. So last year I put out one book. This year I'm trying to put out two books. Huh. Last year I did my first store signings and ended up doing 17 of them. This year I'm trying to do 20 of them. Last year I did 16 conventions, um, over 14 from the year before. And this year I'm trying to do 20 conventions. Um, just, yeah, you know, I want to get out there. I want to meet the people. I want to engage. Um... And I think I think I'm starting to reach the end of my threshold. Like I think 20 is like where things would start to get uncomfortable in terms of travel and taking time off of work and abusing my marriage. Um, I,
2: was, I was about to say, yeah, don't piss off the wife. You just got her. <laughs>
3: yeah, but I think when we talked last, I
2: yeah, you just got married. Yeah,
3: we we, we did the, uh, the 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 sort of commentary for Dead end Kids number three, but yeah. Um, but when I was doing the press rounds last time, and when I was doing my convention schedule last time, I was planning my conventions around the wedding, and some of them were on the calendar before we were even engaged. So like, it's 2020 is going to hopefully be a quieter year in ways that it wasn't last year, but a more exciting year with with regards to conventions and signing and getting around. Uh, but I am looking forward to the downtime. Like, I, I'm I'm on the tail end of of the off season now. I got I think two weeks until my first convention. And now, like those two weeks, are just fucking—they're flying—and I'm like, give me, give me the days back. I, I want to finish Uncharted two and read another book. And but uh, yeah, uh, so yeah, I got those conventions coming up. Um, I'm gonna do a billion store signings if I can this year. Um, nothing's on the schedule yet. Uh, I'll have more information for that like around the time at least the trade paperback for Dead and Kids comes out, um, and then a lot over the summer and into the fall. Um, Dead and Kids two. If all goes well, we'll we'll hopefully be out in the fall as well. Um, so this this will be a long year uh, in terms of promotion and cons and, and signings and stuff like that. Um, outside of that, I I, I have a strict, well thought out three year plan for 2020, 2021, 2022. Uh, so uh, expect a whole lot more hustle and some really good books down the line. And if y'all keep buying the books, another volume of dead end kids next year maybe i don't know i don't know more from ahmed um me and ahmed have a really cool mini series we want to tell um sort of a treasure hunter kind of sort of like indiana jones meets mad max oh. kind of deal um, be... <laughs>
2: i'm 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 ready so uh yeah i hate this up guys but buy his book so we can <laughs> indiana jones.
3: so i'm gonna do i'm gonna do him back I, uh, I just I, I watch those movies and I'm like is this really that exciting like, <sighs> oh man okay. I think, so I think part of it was that I saw Crystal Skull before I saw the, any of the others
2: oh yeah, yeah. fuck first, that movie first that problem, movie doesn't second, exist
3: second problem while the movies are good I think people love them way more than they should and like I had a, like 20 years of hype leading up to when I saw Crystal Skull and then I watched the other ones and I was like this is not as good as you people think it is <laughs> This is not like the first time I watched Star Wars, and it met the hype. So, what,
2: when I was a kid, I, I'm you know, Star Wars had already been off of the screen for a while. It's, you know, that we didn't, we could, Star Wars existed in a video rental place, and by the time you got to rent it, the video was so warped that, yep. you know, yeah, the DVDs time. didn't exist yet. So, um, Indiana Jones was like the dude, and I, I, I get it. I mean, like I know. Oh, I, yeah,
3: I it. it's just you know what? There's there's no heart to those movies. Is the problem? Like it, I could never tell that.
2: Uh, because stuff. they call mod that fucker out, dude. I, I know. I know. not <laughs> hey, listen, listen.
3: I, they're very enjoyable. Hot. They are super interesting to look at structurally too. Like it, I think Last Crusade has nine acts. Like that's oh, insane, yeah, yeah. That be- that's insane <laughs> for Hollywood. It has at least seven. Like you know, there's some debate about the last two, but I think it's nine. I mean it's essentially a series of of action sequences punctuated by some like very dubious archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> this is me not me knocking Harrison Ford or, or Indy. Like I like the movies, just not as much as everyone else.
2: Let like as an adult, I see a bunch of stuff. I'm like, oh that's, that's kind of fucking racist.
3: But, <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, well, listen. I try to take things in, in historical context. Understand that they're wrong, but also understand like that that was the way things were, and like things are getting better, hopefully.
2: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we can only aspire to to do better than uh, our parents. Yeah, in, in fairness, in fairness to Indy though, um, I
3: forget what the female lead's name is. Uh, what is her name?
2: Uh, it depends Marina? on
3: the movie. Is it Marianne in the first one?
2: I think so. Yeah. Yes. All,
3: all the female leads in those movies are very undamsel-y. Like they're 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 good with a the gun. They 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 don't take no for an answer. I mean, it was a little bit oh, ahead. Yeah, well, hell it, was, it was concurrent with like second wave feminism, so like it it was it was pretty a pretty good representation considering the time. Um, and I thought that was good. But I won't name any little Asian kids in my book, short round or anything like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'd I'd steer clear of that.
3: Yeah. Well, unless I get the job writing like the Indiana Jones comic book and I'm I'm, I'm shoehorned into doing uh, it.
2: I would, you know, there, I didn't even think that that would ever be something that uh, would be a possibility, but just thinking like, holy shit, I would love to do that. Oh my there, gosh. I am. I'm
3: such a history nerd though. So imagine, like, freelance comic book writing as, like, a hallway, right? Like, yes, for most people, that door is shut. And then, like, the goal of writing the book you love is, like, down at the end of the hallway. Like, I'm (laughs) – after Dead End Kids and and Grief getting the Ringo nom and me doing my networking thing last year, like, the door is open and I can see down the hallway now. Like, I'm nowhere near the books and no one's offering me any jobs yet. But, like, I know that I can – I know that I can walk down this hallway eventually, and like that's such a wild feeling because like there's there's a weird responsibility to it. Like, right? I would love to write Power Rangers or or Ninja Turtles.
2: <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Uh, we actually uh, interviewed the uh, Ninja Turtles guy not long ago. Which one, Tom Tom Waltz? Oh uh, crap, crap. He's he's uh, uh, a an, an Englishman. Oh, Englishman. Uh, no, 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 no. Not no, he wasn't English. He, he's American, but he was in uh, Spain or Italy. Like uh, Greece, Greece? Mike, Brahm Ravel,
3: Brahm Ravel. Yeah, there's so many people working on on Turtles. Like, I mean, there were about a dozen artists, like, in a given year, like, working on different projects. So, like, I mean, it's...
2: He, he's the one that that turned the uh, girl into the girl turtle. Oh, yeah, 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 uh, Jenica. But yeah, and he's like, he, he's a writer's writer. Oh, I, I
3: bet. I mean, those books are some of the best. Like, I don't. I. I. I'm in my office right now, and we. I have nine bookshelves of of trade paperbacks, and there are only two series in my library that have hardcover editions, and the IDW Ninja Turtles are are one of those series. Like, I mean, that's. I, I'm not surprised at all to know that every person involved with that book is like an 11 out of 10 like oh, hardcore
2: yeah. creator. And- Oh, he's a he's an artist as well the guy is you know super talented but one thing that that's the, the when you do like a licensed property like that it it blows my mind seeing how creative people can get with it because i i don't i would have to be really excited about something like me being a geek about indiana jones mm-hmm. I, and then you have people that just go in. They're like, "Oh, writing is my job. That's what I do. I get into my office and I write, and that is my job." And it blows my mind. It blows that... my mind too. <laughs> because it, it it's it's a discipline. It really wow. is.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I mentioned that three year plan. Like that that wasn't a joke. I really do have a three year plan, and like it is, it's structured. Um, part of that plan is by the by january of 2023 having enough money in my savings account to make up for at least one year of my salary so by then i can take a year off and and try and work freelance i'm gonna need to have had jobs by then i'm gonna need to be at a certain point in my career and have enough work under my title enough creator owned stuff under my belt like, i mean like being a freelance anything requires discipline comics is such a small world that like to rise to the top one percent of people who are actually getting work like you've got to you've got to hustle and like you've got to never stop moving it's 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 that's the reason we're recording this podcast right now and work yeah. <laughs> tomorrow night like i mean it's 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 crazy and then you brought up doing uh work for hire on a intellectual property like i just took a class on that with paul aller who's doing uh, gi joe over idw right now and has done a lot of the ninja turtle stuff and like that class it was it was seven weeks two hours a week for for seven or eight weeks and like it, it was just him lecturing basically about how fucking awful it is to be a freelancer <laughs> writer. not not that like it's an awful experience but like the, the things that happen and, and the things that you're not prepared for, which is why I was taking the class. Um, Licensed properties have like at least a half dozen layers of, of people who need to approve things.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and then
3: they all have like competing agendas and different ideas of, of like what serves the story best. And then to top that all off, like five of the six people aren't storytellers. So it's, it's, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about my future in freelance writing. Hopefully, <laughs> writing some turtles, some Power Rangers, maybe some Spider Man. I've got a great Avengers pitch. I'd love to check out one day. Um, but like I, that was a lot of cold water, and now I'm like, I'm still looking forward to it, but in a more professional way, like not like the the, the little fanboy who like is going to get to get his dream job kind of way. It, so I've mutated over the last like six months.
2: And, and that's i mean that's, that's amazing uh and, and just you know kind of learning the ropes as, as you go as pre- uh, i was talking to jim's up the other day and uh you mentioned there's a, a layer of people in between you and you doing what you need to do to get the comic written and uh he um i don't know if you know this but he he does the uh or, or did for, for a time, the, uh, Dungeons and Dragons conference. Yeah, yeah. And they eventually, um, just started talking to him directly because they're like, you know what to fucking do. <laughs> he, because they, they realized, Oh, this, this guy is this, he's one of us. Mm-hmm. He's not just, you know, some writer off the street. He is a, he's a gamer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he, uh, the, the license properties that he takes on, that was it's really um, interesting what he can inject into them.
3: Yeah, and he's, he's a really unique example. I don't know Jim very well. I've met him a few times. We've talked a few times, um, but I know his work pretty well. Um, it's crazy that he is able to land on so many properties that he adores, uh, and for a couple reasons. One, most people doing freelance take what they can get. And like you end up on like if you, know, you might not be an Evil Dead fan, but if they if they're offering you the job, you take it. Yeah, you know, but it seems like every property he gets to work on is something he loves. And I know that he he put his time in doing stuff that he probably didn't care about. I think there was Enigma was maybe the name of a book or Figment. Um, it was a Disney property that yeah. Marvel did, like an all ages title. Yes, he to do that. And I gotta imagine that wasn't the book that he was hoping for, but. You know,
2: we but talked now, about that a little bit and he yeah he was all over it
3: yeah no i mean like he, he i read it uh, just to get a flavor and he did a great job but like i said it's crazy that he's able to you know go to dungeons and dragons and, and rick and morty and and he's doing he, he did do a bunch of street fighter um so but yeah and then the other thing that's that's crazy is that he's got these great working relationships with these, these people. And like, they're giving him a little bit of carte blanche if I'm understanding correctly, because essentially, you know, most people, they don't want to work with fans as much as people might think they want to, because fans come in with their own ideas and, and, and their own sort of biases against it. And like that can, you know, in a working relationship where you've got to create a product and it has to meet like licensor um, you know, notes and stuff like that it can people can get pretty precious about what they think guile should be doing to m bison in, in in that street fighter comic like and and it could really people can butt heads a little bit about it so like i i would really love to write some power rangers and i'd really love to write some turtles but like i am gonna if i was ever given the opportunity like i would go in with like less passion than i might have a year ago because it's a job right like you don't it's not your dream job it's their job that they're hiring you to do and like there's there's a big perspective change that like i think most people need to go through before they get that work to, to be able to continue to keep getting it it's wild and i'm totally disillusioned but, I, but i'm gonna, but i gonna but i'm gonna keep let me keep at it and 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 but you know what the, the beauty of of comics is um you can, you can work on Turtles and do, like, the corporate version of whatever you need to do. And it can be a great story. Like, I'm not saying that, like, it's an impossible situation. Like, you can turn out really good stuff while doing that. But you can also go do your own Turtles comic. Like, maybe it's, you know, fucking cyborg human banana hamsters or something like that. That's a terrible name. Um, but, like, essentially, I mean, that's how Turtles was born, honestly. Like, it's it's a ripoff of Daredevil. <laughs> like, Splinter is stick. The Turtles, you know... They, how did they get their strange abilities through canisters of, of chemicals on the street, just like Daredevil? Like, I mean, it's that the, the foot is literally a, an analog of the hand. Um, so Eastman and Laird, they they wanted to write Daredevil, so they wrote their own version of Daredevil. All
2: right, guys, um, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real with you, real quick. My dog was acting like a crazy pants, uh, so I had to cut out a little bit of this interview uh, because my dog was being a butthole. So. Um, Everybody has dogs. Uh, Everybody has buttholes, I guess. Um, I'm I'm assuming. So, um, yeah, we're cutting this out.
1: Conspiracy. Could you you make it any more awkward?
2: All right, back to the show. You're a a genuine guy. You're. you're, um, And I think that says a lot more than any amount of, you know, trying to. say the right thing all the time or whatever. Just being the person that you are and that you've consistently been, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. So keep it up. And dude, again, I'm so excited for this book.
3: I'm I'm glad to hear that. Like, you know, it's always you always you always put a book together and then you always wonder if people are gonna like it. The same thing happened with grief. It happened with dead end kids and like I I got extremely lucky and had two two home runs in a row and like yeah eventually <laughs> there's got to be a dud or, or you know a foul ball in the mix and and i don't think this will be the book but you always worry uh, i think i think anyone who likes buffy who likes my writing who likes monster books who likes books with something like important to say or about an important topic like i mean and it there's, doesn't
2: there's, beat you over the head exactly exactly I.
3: you I'm not a preachy person when I'm not typing up Facebook messages to delete. (laughs) (laughs) You
2: you get, uh, you, you get the, you know, the importance of what's happening just through the, the drama between the characters, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't preach to you as much as it shows you.
3: Yeah. It's the old cliche show. Don't tell. Like, yeah, yeah, I just, um, but yeah, but thanks for having me. Like I'm like, it's always glad to come on Spoiler Country. I mean, dude, like, there, anytime there are so many podcasts and like there are a lot of really good ones, but like I have a genuine good time chatting with you, and I always have. So like I mean,
2: yeah, I agree. I agree. And if you if you want to do a, a walkthrough on uh, this oh, yeah, book def- when it comes def- out, hit yeah. me up, man.
3: Oh, you got it, and, and and I've got some thoughts for how we can do it better this
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. All right, dude, take it easy, brother. You guys go out and get no heroin, Frank Gogol. And uh while you're at it hit up uh pick up that Dead End Kids collection.
0: Frank, be well, brother. Later, man. Okay, we're back. We're Casey that was fun. Yeah. Yeah, dude. it sounds like you had a really good time with him.
2: Yeah, yeah. It totally. And uh every time I talk to him is I mean, he's just a good dude. I got a little bit inside knowledge about what's uh what's happening, uh on his next next project, so
1: nice, nice, yeah,
2: nice. got some
1: cool stuff down the pipeline. And um, Hey Casey Did I smell a possible another commentary track coming for this one?
2: Oh, uh, I, I'm I'm hoping so. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah, we actually of sound like you
1: said maybe on this.
2: We uh we actually talked about that a little bit. And I think it's gonna happen. So
1: nice, nice. I, I like nice. Frank's commentary tracks. He goes. I like all the commentary tracks. Cause they're fun, but yeah, uh, Frank specifically goes into some some good background knowledge of the books too. Yeah, y- yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: we, we, of course, went right ahead and stole that idea from Frank, so... Yeah,
1: 100%.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. Can confirm. So, thank you, Frank Gogol. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for being a friend of the show. And thank you, Casey. Ah, no problem, you guys. It's always fun. And thank you, Casey, for putting that together. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. If you like interviews, please... I know I keep saying this on almost all the shows that you've been listening to lately, but I... I, I, I implore you not implore implore that's not even a word implore implore uh, implore. implore
1: I just implore
0: you thank you Johnny I implore you to go back <laughs> and check out our back catalog wow it's not late or nothing and see no. all the cool people we've been talking to and not just lately but who we've always talked to we've talked to Mike Grell Richard Cadry you know New York Times bestseller author Ben Templesmith came on Early yeah. in our career, and
1: had an amazing time. He told us he, we can we could have him for twenty minutes. He stayed on for more than two hours, and we got some great ones coming up. I mean, just coming this coming Monday, you're gonna hear Corin Nemec talk to us, and then you're gonna hear Philip Kennedy Johnson, and then you've got Ron Randall coming back on again, and then here in the future, you've got a bunch of other great ones. We've got, we got Peter David coming on, we've got JMD Mateus coming on, and a bunch more.
0: Yep. So keep a keep an ear out, keep an eye out, and we will see you guys next time don't forget though.
2: and also can, can I say something real quick yeah here we go
0: um <laughs> you
2: guys track us down on social media if you like what you're yeah, hearing definitely let us know if you don't like what you're hearing let us know I'm a big boy if there's I somebody you want us to um, talk
0: to tell us who it is know. we'll try to get yeah. them on yeah
2: and and as always the creators that we that we have on here follow them on social media find their books buy their books um, they can't make the products that they do, the books, the, the yep. shows, 100. whatever, unless people are buying them. Yep, 100. So, um,
0: Let them know that yeah. you, heard them, you, they, you heard about them through us. That would be rad. Yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. Let them know, hey, heard about you on Spoiler Country, and boy, is that Casey as handsome as he sounds,
1: because... <laughs> he is. Oh, yes, he is. <laughs>
0: Casey's a sexy mf but he's taken, ladies, so back off. And fellas, taken. he's taken. Totally taken. All right, guys. After all that, don't forget to open the mind and read more. Deuces, consider that our Patreon. Yep.
2: Good. Cool. That's good. Can you hear me well?
3: Yeah, I hear you're great. I'm just testing out awesome. this mic for the first time, and it's super expensive and complicated, and I don't think it was worth all the trouble.
2: <laughs> it's all good, man. We, we got it figured out.
3: No worries. Okay. For whatever reason, Skype was recognizing the mic also as the speakers, and it couldn't be audio and um, like a microphone at the same time.
2: Oh, man, yeah, it, that shit gets annoying. It's all good. Yeah. Um, here we are. Let's see. I had every I had everything pulled up on my phone and now it's not. Uh, Sorry, will right, we'll, we'll just wing it. Let's see. So, how many l- let me ask bef- before uh, we get everything before I do like the introduction and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um bef- how, how many issues are you thinking for this? uh this one's three just like dead end kids oh cool okay
3: they are slightly longer issues i think dead end kids was 20 pages an issue these guys are 24 pages an issue the last issue (laughs) might be a little longer um we're about halfway through number two right now and the first issue comes out in june so it's there's a little flux
2: still okay cool cool yeah well um i'll go ahead and start the introduction cool all right, everybody, welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today we are talking to Frank Gogol, author of a f- quite a few books now from Source Point Press. Uh, his latest book coming out uh, in April is No Heroin, and uh, he is also the author of Dead End Kids and the Ringo Award nominated grief frank how you doing buddy Whew, i'm doing all right but i gotta let you know the book comes out in
3: june oh so- <laughs> <Let> me- <laughs> you, want, you want to start over
2: yeah let me do that over all
3: right. uh- <laughs> yeah no it's, it's in previews in april and it'll be
2: up for pre-order <laughs> oh april cool Wednesday. okay june, I'm gotcha. out tonight, june. um I'm, I'm trying to get better at doing a an introduction so yeah i, I, I appreciate you indulging me the uh the opportunity to to work on that well
3: you know a lot of people say my name wrong so i've gotten used to like letting people get a first pass and like get the practice round then letting them know and then like how, how the do second, they say the your second, name second, wrong oh they say goggle they say gogel i mean like if, if you can imagine a saying of the name other than how it's pronounced like people have come up with it
2: like i, I know there's a there's a uh russian op- yep author so yeah
3: yeah there's a there's a small chance i might be related to him uh both of our families come from a, a village in russia that was called Gogol. um he had oh no, really he, he had no children so it wouldn't be like a direct descendancy but he could be like my great great grandfather's cousin or something like that that's fucking cool
2: dude yeah I'm, are small, so i'm just kind to like horse thieves and poor irish people that probably starved to death
3: Well, you know, what's really interesting is I got (laughs) got the last name, but um, most of my heritage is Irish. I'm only a quarter Russian. I just happened to be on the part that gave me the last name. Uh, (laughs) So, I am bred of thieves and poor people as well.
2: (laughs) All right. I'm going to start over again. Oh, yeah. Okay. All (laughs) right, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of Spoiler Country. My name is Casey Allen, and today we are talking to author of shit. <laughs> Not shit. I mean, the better one. <laughs> Sorry, I started laughing. And, and I
3: did get one bad review one time. What?
2: Fuck that guy. Or I, you know what?
3: You know what? It's, it's funny. I, it, uh, it was for the last issue of Dead End Kids after pretty much both all three issues got like basically nine and 10 star reviews um and then this guy like a month after the book came out reviewed the third issue didn't review any of the other two issues and was just so mad that the book didn't end the way he wanted it to
2: (laughs) (laughs) Retro damn book
3: yeah i I try not to
2: engage with these people and i
3: got the screenshot of when the averages were good so
2: (laughs) all right i'm gonna i'm gonna start it over and i'm gonna do a ride this time